The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, the second half uh, of our two-hour commentary and analysis uh, roundtable called Armchair Politics. And uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, we have our roundtable regulars on the left. Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, Tom. And uh, joining the roundtable this week, author and Convention of States Legislative Liaison, Wes Whitaker. Wes, welcome back, and thanks for being here today. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Okay, where did I leave off? Um... Yeah, let's we're see. talking about the mayor and his wife. Well, let's yeah. let's, let's let's move on to schools very quickly, and then we got we got to move on to state and, and uh, national headlines. But Flint Community Schools has identified 13 vacant properties to try and sell off. A vote during uh, the Thursday, June 16th uh, board workshop meeting caps a prioritization process that the district's thrun law firm attorney has been uh, requesting from the school board for months as the district pushes to cut costs to get out of its projected $3.7 million operating budget deficit. I remember when that was about $20 million. Um, the district will begin accepting proposals uh, for the available properties on July 1st. Cook Elementary, Dort Elementary, Garfield Elementary, Johnson Elementary, King Elementary, Lowell Middle School, Manley Elementary, Merrill Elementary, Stewart Elementary, Washington Elementary, Williams Elementary, Wilkins Elementary, and Zimmerman Center were all chosen to sell. Several properties are being discussed in plans to build new buildings. As outlined in the New Flint School Strategic Plan, those are not included in the list of available properties. Superintendent Kevlin Jones and the uh, administration recommended 13 properties that could be let go. They also recommended properties to keep and maybe keep. What is the district's liability if any of these properties turn out to be riddled with asbestos and lead paint and Mm. pipes? Uh, responsibility. They have the same responsibility as general business. <clears throat> and besides, kids should not be exposed to asbestos and all of that. There, there are all kind of regulations. These are all covered. old buildings, though. They've been yes. around forever. Yeah. Yeah. 
they still have to accept they have to accept responsibility for that. I'm getting some feedback, guys. I don't know why. Oh, yes, you are. That should well, I can fix hear that. it. Pardon? It should be fixed now. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm done. Okay, well let's let's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I mean, on that point, I'm thinking of the fact that when we first came here, the Flint schools were the model, in many ways, the model for the nation. What happened to them is just astonishing. I think less than 3,000 students left, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark, and uh, all of these empty, decaying buildings all over town. It's a uh, very, very sad story in many ways. And many of these buildings that they're thinking about selling is nothing but junk. I think you're uh, right, Henry. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they should have sold that ten to twenty years ago exactly. when they I've had value on them. But you right. didn't have a you didn't have a uh, a board that had the moxie to do that. Well, uh, and that's why that's why I bring up the issue of of asbestos and and uh, lead paint and pipes and so on because what they're really trying to do is pass off the demolition of these buildings to new owners. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe the sharpest contrast is all the brand new buildings in the cultural center with the library and the new school there and the the, re, re, the the art institute and so forth. And right next door is Central High School, kind of crumbling and getting more more dilapidated by the by the day. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a bizarre contrast in many ways. Powers tried to buy Flint Central. That's right. Remember, I remember that. And that. that would have been the best thing that could have ever happened to Flint, Michigan. It would have restabilized and yeah. driven new money investments in Flint. But we didn't have a school board with that kind of forethought. And, uh, you know, and growing together with the city of Flint, the Mott Foundation, and others, they wanted to do their own thing. So now we're caught with this dilemma. We got a lot of junk to get rid of, so the people are going to, the taxpayers are going to have to eat the bullet. Well, you, you drive around parts of Flint. I'm thinking of the east side especially, and there are, there are blocks that remind you of the Ukraine. I mean, just one one yeah. burned out building after another in some of those areas, and, and, and including some schools. The Washington School up here on the east side of Flint is just a burned out hulk now. <laughs> you think there are people running up and down the streets of eastern Ukraine, looking at the at the recent damage and going. Oh God! <laughs> this looks like Flint. Probably true. Probably true. Yeah. Now, guys, we're making a case for the people who wanted to disassociate from the name Flint. I know. Right, I know what you're all of those. They are listening to our conversation. Those guys are saying the same thing that we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Well. Probably. <clears throat> let's see. Um, a cohort of 17 Michigan House Republican lawmakers asked Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel on Wednesday to launch criminal investigations into Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, her staff, and others in relation to inaccurate allegations of voter fraud raised in the discredited film 2000 Mules. It does not indicate what new evidence is offered by the film, but it appears lawmakers want Nessel to investigate essentially the core tenet of the movie, allegations involving cell phone tracking technology debunked 
by experts and numerous media outlets and recently deemed singularly unimpressive <laughs> by former Trump U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr. That's actually one of his funnier comments from the, the testimony he gave. Yeah. Um, but I started to watch it. I, I watched the first few minutes, and then I had to, I don't know, I had to buy a platform or something, and I, I didn't finish <laughs> watching it. But is there anything compelling about the 2000 Mules film, and is it a documentary or propaganda? I, I haven't seen it, and I've heard about it. I've heard about it, and that was, you know. Oh, what a great contrast. <laughs> well, it is, and the Susan pretty, pretty, pretty inclined to do a lot of propaganda stuff, but like I said, I haven't seen the film, so I can't comment directly on it. I don't know. But. I haven't either, but it's a great contrast. Wes, have you it seen it? A lot of no, I have not. I, I, I mean, there a week or two ago, um, it, it seemed like every time I turned around, somebody was mentioning 2,000 mules. So I got curious about it, and I started digging into it. And, and apparently, uh, if, if the film is to be believed during the 2020 election, there were about 2,000 people with uh, and and they used some sort of cell phone tracking to figure out where they were and what they were up to that were running around in the dead of night um, taking boxes of ballots into various uh, campaign counting centers in in precincts and cities around Michigan was well, we saw we saw video evidence of things similar to that and, shortly after the election. And, the woman pulling a suitcase of ballots out from under a table. Well, and yeah, well, yeah, that, that's the three or four yesterday. times. The premise here that, is that the they were they were going into these these counting places after hours and running these ballots through multiple times and. What the what the movie seems to be doing, Wes, is that that video you're talking about pulling the black box out from under the table. It's showing that over and over like two thousand times. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. That's that's where the two thousand mules come from. Yeah, and and they weren't suitcases anyhow. They weren't they official ballot boxes that were secured and locked down. That they talked about that yesterday, and that and they. January yeah. hearings. Well, yeah. even, even Bill Barr said no, I, that that was just a yeah. box, and it was the normal box that they keep ballots in until yeah, they're right. counted and bundled and stored. I have a question. I have a question. You, if you assume that there was no uh, nothing nefarious involving the election, then by logical deduction, that means that you fully embrace the present administration. And is that the case? No. It, I mean, you guys are intelligent people. It you means fully embrace I, the, you embrace the fact that he won. Whether I, you like him or not, he won the election. That's all, that's all you're I saying, really. I respect that. It's not a question any longer, Paul, about whether you like him. It's a question whether this guy is destroying the country. Liking's got nothing to do with it. This guy well, that's, is... But that's beyond the election. Well, you'll say whether you, you agree with him or not, it's beyond the election. Well, the, the issue is whether he won the election. That seems like it's a... 
that launches a conversation say. we'll all have to, you know, meet somewhere and order a yeah, pizza. I think the election's yeah. moot. I personally think the election's a moot point at this point. We're fighting to save the country. Yeah, but the, the thing is, if a guy... Um, I wasn't a fan of Donald Trump's tariffs. I, I but understand that. I don't think he was. I, I don't think he was destroying the country with them. No. And I, I didn't like his personality quirks. I didn't I like really his didn't. personality quirks either. Um, well, I, I I don't like I don't like I don't like bicycle boy either. I think he's, I think he's a flim, I think he's a complete flim flam man. And and I have to tell you, I I laughed out loud when I heard about the bicycle accident with Joe Biden, not because I think it's funny that a seventy nine year old man fell off a bicycle, but it literally is a plot line from the pilot of the West Wing television series, the very first episode. Yeah. Oh, really? The yeah. very first yeah. scene is one oh. of the White House staffers getting a text that says, POTUS in a bike accident. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and that's how, and yeah. it starts with a press conference, and the, the press secretary, you know, really basically entertaining the media with stories of ways to describe this, you know, coming to a sudden arboreal stop. And, you know, it, it, anyway, it's, it's, I, it was just such sudden a arboreal stop. That means you ran into a bush, a tree, actually. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it means. And there were photographs, for, and there were photographs for the, you know, the press pool and, you know, she's saying, all right, get your laughing over because then we got serious business to do. But that's that's essentially how the series started. So, <laughs> you know, that was that was all I needed to hear was POTUS in a bike accident. <laughs> and, and, but that's not unusual for a president to do. Gerald Ford used to have uh, well, a skiing accident. Yeah, he fell oh, off of everything. He was always just criticized poorly. He, he, I don't. I don't know whether this is so. He was one of the more athletic presidents we've ever had. And that's but, and but that's the Gerald whole point. Ford had respect, even though the even the, after he uh, pardoned Nixon, he well, still maintained. Remember this, this, this? Chevy Chase did that. The, the standard skit with Jerry Ford oh, yeah. standing over the, the desk <laughs> and the Oval Office. But as I say, he was probably one of the more athletic presidents we've ever had. <laughs> And I think people understood that, that, you know, he was, I mean, the joke was that he basically fell off of everything. But, yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, he was more active than most presidents, and he was more likely to have those kinds of run-ins. Um, but I don't know who's running the country now. I don't believe it's Joe Biden, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that that guy is calling the shots. I don't think it's ever the person in the Oval Office, Wes. There's, there's, and that's something uh, yeah. we could we could really pick apart and try and figure out exactly who is running it and how it got that way and how do we change it back to the way that we thought it was or wished it was. Um, but but anyway, I've got to take a short break here, and we'll come back and uh, and maybe we'll get into that some more. 
Um, you're listening to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, our roundtable regulars, joined by Wes Whitaker. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. 
No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week, a doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly uh, political roundtable on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined this week uh, by Wes Whitaker. And just before we went to break, Wes, you had made the observation that uh, that you thought Biden, by virtue of, uh, of his policies, executive orders, etc., um, was ruining the country. And, and I want to explore that a little further because I, I, I have a difficult time subscribing to the notion that someone's policies that I don't agree with are somehow the end of the world. Well, I think the end of the world is probably you know, hyperbole. The well, fact that the man, first day in office, wrote executive orders reversing every executive order that Trump did, stopped the oil companies from pumping oil. I mean, you can trace back the state of our economy, the way it is today, to that first day that he was in office. It was like, I'm just going to erase everything Trump did, regardless of what the long-term effects are and well first I'd, of all, I'd be totally tempted, irresponsible i'd be tempted to go back a year before that wes and say the day we shut the country down had a significant impact on that i think when we stopped planes from flying in the wake of september 11th that did significant damage to our economy then but we didn't pay any attention to that because we were so distracted by the damage that had been done and the fact that we'd been attacked and violated that we didn't realize shutting the airlines down um, that wasn't just, you know, people flying to Disney World. That was, you know, packages and shipping and all kinds of stuff. I mean, there, there, there are side effects for every policy you take. I'm thinking here of, of you know, it's true we had enormous spending with, during the, the pandemic for all kind to really to avoid another Great Depression. And unfortunately, one of the side effects, like any kind of almost like a drug, is, is inflation. That's what we're seeing right now. You saw that after World War II as well. We had a huge amount of spending in World War II. And then in the years that followed... We had uh, inflationary times, and we've done, we, and there's been other times like that as well. But it's 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 kind of like, like I say, it's a side effect of the of what's you know like a side effect of a drug. You take it for one purpose, but there are some uh, unfortunate sidebar consequences. That's apples to oranges, guys. What's happening right now is not normal. It is not the side effect of some. Uh, terrorist attack against the country. It's not a side effect of, you know, some war footing. What's happening to our country right now, especially with the economy, is a self-inflicted wound. And my question was, who's behind it? 
It's not Biden. I don't think he's. I don't think he's intellectually capable of coming up with with something that has the effect. And, that I, and I don't right think. Now. And I don't yeah. think he has the skills or the power to you no. know uh, accomplish the damage you're suggesting. I think it's. But he made it. He made it possible with his executive orders that he signed. He made it possible for this to happen. This everything that's happening right now is on his desk. Well, let's let's look at it this way. You you know we're we're hearing this phrase "pouring gas on the fire" a lot with regard to Donald Trump's remarks on January sixth, inciting people to storm the Capitol. Um, but I I would I I would go so far to agree with you, Wes, about the impact of some of Biden's actions and policies as pouring gas on the fire of an already bad economy. Uh, I don't I don't see it. There. No, I, I don't I see that either. There are a lot of lot of economic issues based upon based based upon the pandemic. The pandemic caused all kind of turmoil. In fact we're I think we're lucky we didn't see a great depression out of that. We could have. Uh and that didn't happen. You know, and, and for all the problems there are, and there are some serious ones, still the, the the job market is not as bad as you might think. The, the unemployment rate is remarkably low, uh, considering the conditions. And I, like I say, I think uh, what what we're, are we're going to have some rough times, but I think it's going to give it give it a couple of years, and you're going to see that the inflation is going to come down. I think uh, we've been we've been here before. I mean, we, we were here. We were here with the early Reagan years. You Wes, what are the things? Wes, what are the things that you think are causing are are at the root of uh, America's economic woes? At the root of it, well, energy prices is probably one of the basic ones. I mean, you, you drive energy prices up because of lack of supply and it has a ripple effect throughout the entire economy. There is no one single thing that you can point to and say, okay, this is why we're having the issues we're having now. But my concern is that people aren't paying attention to what is going on. Well, we're on the verge, well, you know, on the verge I, of having a total economic collapse. President, can I, can I, you, can yeah, go, date. you can write this date down. Go. We're on the verge of it. I wrote about it in Economic Warfare, uh, why 2008 occurred. I, I showed in detail what caused that economic downturn and then showed that there was historical cycles that were going on. And what's happening right now is that on steroids. And people are acting like, oh, well, it's just business as usual. Life goes on, la-di-da. We're going to have soup lines in six months if people don't wake up. And that's not hyperbole. You no, put, no, it's not. And we've down. already we've already seen a little bit of that with uh, um, baby formula and and uh, um, I, I understand uh, disposable diapers are next. Henry, what <laughs> what did you want to? Yeah, what did you, you know, I in? I've been trying to follow and agree with uh, with Whitaker. I wish I had some time difficult but he hit he hit the nail right on the head when he said the woes were uh, due to what we're doing to the economy and i, I want to add to what Wes has said 
when we poured all of that money back into the hands of people without looking, that killed us right there. That helped to uh, drive up inflation and complicate things. And people got something for nothing. And they continue to get something for nothing. And they expect it. And they have an expectation to get more and more from the Treasury. And, and, and this is what's uh, driving all of the discussion and the debates and the criticisms of government. And uh, I have to go along with, uh, with Wes Whitaker on this one. That, uh, there's people right now that are getting $1,500 a month for staying at home by claiming unemployment. And, and they'll go out and they'll apply for like a resident surgeon at a hospital or something. And they're not qualified for the job they're applying for at all. But they, they have to fill out a form once a week saying, I look for jobs here and here and here, and I got no offers. And they're collecting a check for $1,500 from the government. Yeah, yet I think if, if we had not done something of that nature, we still would have seen a Great Depression uh, of the 1930s I variety. We, uh, I think we're going yet, to. Admittedly, that some of those were, were run out in a very, very quick fa fashion. But as bad as Trump was in the eyes of some critics, we had become energy independent. Cocky. We had moved up in the world. We didn't depend on anybody for our energy sources. And all of a sudden, all of that stuff, by the stroke of a pen, was reversed. Well, and I, yeah. I asked um, an economist recently why the, um, the release of, of uh, some of the uh, strategic petroleum reserve hadn't brought gas prices down not to mention the fact that states like michigan are you know uh, suspending uh state tax on gas and and they're talking about doing that at the federal level well, why hasn't that had an impact on bringing the cost of gas down and the economists couldn't answer Well, I think somewhere I saw that actually for as high as gas prices are now, if adjusted for inflation, they're still not the highest ones ever. We've had it. If you adjust it for inflation, I think back in, I forgot the exact year, but not that many years ago, they were relatively higher. Not much, but relatively a little higher than they are now, for as bad as they are now. But right now what we're experiencing is uh, supply and demand issues. Yeah. And in you know, the problem, one of the problems we have is economics in particular has become so politicized that in, in a lot of people, they don't study econo econ economics. They don't really understand how the economy works. So they listen to the news and they get their opinions on the economy based upon what they hear from their particular news source. And our news source has become politicized. So everybody's getting their perspective on what's going on in the world today based upon their basic political leanings. And that is causing a serious problem in society. We can't have, outside of this program, thank God, we can't really have a discussion 
from differing points of view and, and come to a consensus about, okay, what is, what is the issue that we're talking about and what's the solution before us? You know, what we're doing right now doesn't happen all around the country anymore. It used to happen every morning in donut shops and That's true. people would get yeah. together. We don't have that anymore because people have become so polarized that if you say anything that challenges their perspective on what's going on, it's like, well, I've got to defend my position. And, and the, I got the position they're defending is not based on reality. And one of the and and one of the really dangerous parts of all this is people are getting different information. Absolutely, exactly. And yeah. and there's there's nothing wrong with the freedom to have different information out there and uh, although it it doesn't exist in in the way that uh kelly and conway imagined it there, <laughs> often in fact there yeah, is we should, such we should a, all be able to evaluate the information yeah there see. is such a thing yeah. as al- alternative facts um although i think she meant it as alternative reality but <laughs> There but, seems to be a lot of that today, too. But but the, the point is, we should be able to have all this information and bring it all through a, a single uh, yes. dissemination point so that yes. everybody is getting the same thing. When we had the three networks, when, you, when we had Huntley and Brinkley and Walter Cronkite, people were getting their information whether they, you know, were Republicans or Democrats or, or independents or anarchists, didn't matter. They were getting the same information, and then they would make up their minds where they fit into all of this. That's a good point. I think the fragmentation of the media is, is not just on television, but, I mean, not in the social media as well. Everybody can, can tune into a very narrow band of information, it's dramatically different than every other narrow band of information, and they rarely cry, you know, they rarely interact. I think that's very true. And it's the, and it's the platforms themselves, Paul. I, I posted it is. something I, I on blame LinkedIn Wes, and, I blame, and Facebook that were... Wes, I blame it all on uh, niche marketing. Yeah, that's, that could be. I don't know if it's yeah. niche marketing, but when you post fact on Facebook and they come back and put a banner on that your facts are being reviewed by their fact checkers. And I'm going, what's the review? I stated fact. It's not my opinion. It's fact. I'll take it a step further than that. It doesn't even have to be proven fact. Even if you stated an opinion, no one has the right to second guess it. Mm -hmm. They do. They do. Oh, I it know. It happens they every day to people on Facebook. They have got a political agenda they're driving, and it doesn't matter if you put up, you know, if you put up but quotes. Wait, say, but, you know, we've always had that that model when it comes to free speech that, you know, free speech was fine as long as you didn't yell fire in a crowded theater. But we live in a time now where people are running from theater to theater yelling fire. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, uh, yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, Wes, you know, that's, that's true. <laughs> what, what's critical about all of this, and we don't pay any attention to it because it's sneaking up on us like the froth of, uh, you know, here, and that is, um, I'm sorry, I have to rethink what I'm thinking about. Go ahead. 
Well, let's let let's move on. See if we can get a couple. I was going. I'll add one more line here, yeah. Tom. I yeah. Think yeah. Tom, one of your best lines is, is that your uh, reaction against uh, what it was, it was called rant radio. I think <laughs> the rant radio of the last 20, 30 years have fed a lot into this where people could tune into their own little... Well, you know, and this is, and, and I draw in my, my theory about niche marketing, Wes, I actually draw a line to niche news, niche information. It's, it's, it's like... Um, once they decided, you know, with niche marketing that certain radio stations were being listened to by soccer moms, all of the advertising became targeted to soccer moms. All of the information became targeted to soccer moms. And it spread throughout. And so now we have all of these little niche things. The news on one network is different than the news on another network because it's for a different audience that already thinks that way, and they're not teaching anybody anything. Yeah, yeah and, you know, here's, here's my point, guys. Now, this is happening at a time when resources are declining and populations are rising. Look at that. We don't know what impact this is going to have on our country Ten years from now, in another decade, with the with that number of people that's coming in, and we won't be able to afford to feed the people here in this country, and with these uh, declining resources, that's a that's a disaster in itself. And we're getting all of these mixed messages. Like you said, Tom, it should be going through a center of of uh, reconciliation. No, the, the news should be. I I, I don't think <coughs> that the people are receiving. I don't think the information should be filtered. I think it should be funneled. Well, what, that, that, that's my point. What's the difference between filter? Well, I mean, good reporters... Well, filter changes the will, information. Will Funneling it just puts it out yeah. through one Funneling. source. Funneling. Yeah, yeah, but my word was yeah. funneling. Yeah. Yeah, what, what you were referring to, Henry, is what they're doing with this Ministry of Disinformation yeah. that they were yeah. talking about starting. But well, I wanted to make sure. That, that way, there's a perfect example of my concerns about this administration. That is straight out of 1984. Yes. And the average person is going, oh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Let's have a ministry of disinformation and get rid of all this crazy stuff. But, they're, but. And they're telling you what's real and what's not real, man. But the but we have we have 7.9 billion people in the world today. And it's growing, guys. And food supplies are declining. The oceans are contaminated. And they're yielding. And nature itself is at a maximum to produce. It can't produce any more than what it already produces. And we, we have some things to but think see, about. Henry, philosophically. This, is where, this is where I become the eternal optimist. There was a time when the country of India was starving to death. Mm -hmm. And boom, along comes Martin Borlaug, invents dwarf wheat, they have twice as much yield, and they fed a billion people. I yep. think we have the ability to fix some of these things that have gone wrong. But now... But we have to have the mindset. We have to have a mindset to do that, Tom. We, we do. We don't have a mindset. But we We're also, separating ourselves. But we also oh, have to have um, a, a, a willingness 
to yeah. listen to other people, to share our thoughts, and, and to talk um, in, in a civilized manner. Um, because if you only listen to people who already think what you think, how do you ever learn anything? That's true. Well, true. the evidence is very conclusive. And West and what West, West touched on but, it earlier when you know when he said, you know, we need to get all the best minds together, whether they agree or don't, and and get this information all sorted out and come up with. Um, dare I say it, compromises that work for everybody. And, and Wes, I think you're right. There's a word that's that's being slowly becoming uh, defunct. Compromise. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I, We've I, talked I just, about that a lot. In the final analysis, that's what, that's what true politics is about. It's got to yes. be. Exactly. It has to, it has to exist for for our form of government specifically to work. Well, it should be, be a the, to compromise. It should be at the heart of the solution to all negotiation. This is, yeah, this but is I, one of the things that concerns me with getting back to what we originally talked about, this splinter group that's the result of the Trump presidency, this America First movement. I have concerns that there are people being dragged into that under that banner that are entrenched and digging in and, and they have their world per perspective and it's not traditional Republican. It's not, it's definitely not Democrat. Well, it, what, what's it has troubling precedent, is, that's what I will say. When you ask America first people what America looks like, their answer yeah. is all the stuff I like. Yeah. Yeah. What worries me in the larger sense is that if some of those folks get are are going to get into the situation of running elections that we may erode trust in, in elections we've, in the We've future. already seen some work in their I ways know. in the Secretary of State positions around the country. Yeah. Some of these Trump primaries have done exactly that. And if we have, you know, Secretary of States or local election clerks who are inclined to spin things their own way, I, I can see some real damage to the whole idea of democracy uh, in, in the country. Well, since I've been on the show, I've always called for compromise. And that was, you know, Woodrow Stanley, my good friend, he says, <laughs> he gets perturbed uh, when I said that <laughs> we've got to learn how to compromise. Um, well, Woodrow, um, may rest in peace. He he used to like to add a little sizzle if he could. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's true. And, <laughs> and that's sometimes, what, just ironically, for, that's what we need. Somebody said either Wes or, or Paul said that we need more compromise, and people think that's a dirty word. But nobody told you you could have everything in the world you wanted to. There are other people out there that demand the same thing. So. We have to learn how to settle our disputes without guns and without. But I'll, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Though it happened yesterday. Quick, the, Wes, the we US got Senate. about thirty seconds. Katie Britt defeated Mo Brooks by two thirds of the vote in Alabama for this Alabama Republican yes. Senate primary. I, I mean, that's she's attractive. 
but <laughs> you stand close to her and you can hear the wind whistle. <laughs> Mo, Brooks a, Mo Brooks is a proven conservative politician who listens to the other side and tries to come up with and we got to compromise the benefits. We'll be right back. The unknown comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flip Flip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, the part uh, where we look at those weird and wacky stories that uh, are hard to believe but are often true and sometimes a little too similar to the mainstream headlines. Um, But uh, we call them the X-Files, and here we go. Two people were rescued after they somehow fell into a partially filled chocolate tank. (laughs) while doing maintenance work at a candy factory in Pennsylvania. The incident at the Mars Wrigley plant in Elizabethtown occurred shortly before 2 p.m. Thursday. The two people work for an outside contracting firm, officials said, and it's not clear how they fell into the tank. Emergency responders were able to free the pair by cutting a hole in the bottom of the tank. Officials said it wasn't clear if either person was injured, but they were taken to hospitals to be evaluated. Their names and further details on their conditions were not disclosed. The Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration is investigating the incident. An OSHA official declined comment on the matter, citing the ongoing investigation. If given a choice between falling in a vat of chocolate or a vat of beer or whiskey, which would you choose? (laughs) Well, that's a tough choice there. (laughs) Decisions, decisions. There's a lot. Usually, usually those tanks have uh, escape rooms. They have little ladders on, on near the edge where you can pull yourself out. But I can imagine getting out of chocolate would be a tough. Thing. The beer might be too, because you'd be so inebriated you couldn't find. That's right. <laughs> That's the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a line from a W. C. Fields movie where uh, he's he's playing a henpecked husband, and she says, "One day you'll die in a vat of whiskey." <laughs> and Fields says, "Death, where is thy sting?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Well, the the Heffordshire village of Wellington has been taken over by life-sized queens, Prince Philip's, and even royal guards for their gardens. The village's annual fun week will this year celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee with quizzes, picnics, fireworks, and bingo, but the scarecrows will undoubtedly be the star of the show. 
The theme this year is kings, queens, princes, princesses, or anything with a royal connection, according to 68-year-old Phil Smith, a co-organizer. He said, for instance, the chapel and the village have done a uh, display of William, the Queen, Philip, and all the royal children as one display. We've probably got a dozen or so queens dotted around and a few purple rain princes. An independent judge from outside of the village will assess the figures on Saturday night and announce the winner at a local picnic. Other creations include Princess Fiona from the movie Shrek, Queen frontman Freddie Mercury, (laughs) and Princess (laughs) Leah from Star Wars. Do you suppose the winner becomes queen for a day? (laughs) I would guess so, (laughs) yeah. We would hope so, anyway. (laughs) Well, here's... here's, uh, behavior that's the heart of a lot of what we've been talking about today in terms of people getting along. A backyard wedding can offer a tranquil, intimate setting for a couple to say I do, and in an ideal world, the only sounds would be gently swaying trees and romantic music. Unfortunately for one loved-up couple, their vows were completely drowned out by an inconsiderate neighbor who they claim began mowing her lawn just as the bride took her first steps down the aisle. An anonymous wedding guest has claimed the so-called Karen began purposely fully firing up her lawnmower as the bride's song started to play in an attempt to ruin the wedding and continued mowing away throughout the duration of the ceremony. According to the guests, they did try and ask her to stop, but she was not kind in return, completely ignoring their pleas. The noise was so intrusive that she and other guests couldn't even hear the couple's vows being exchanged. Do you think this so-called Karen has something against marriage? Uh, yeah, at least for her name, she does. Yeah, Sounds, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be a question. Sounds like, an ex, sounds like she was an ex-girlfriend of the groom. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe there's a, there's a story behind all this. Yeah, it goes further. Maybe that was it. Yeah. I, I don't know. The first thing I thought of is is it, it never fails. You have a busy week and you make a plan to sleep in a little bit on Saturday morning, and and at about seven fifteen, the neighbor fires up the lawnmower. Yeah, starts, that's true. Starts mowing his lawn. It reminded me of a time when I was on the road years ago and we were staying in this uh, this little chalet thing and they had they had some kind of convention going on it was Bavarian in nature 7.30 in the morning right under the bedroom window of a bunch of lounge musicians polka bands (laughs) (laughs) in competition oh my god oh good grief boy there's nothing weirder than just rolling out of a sound sleep that you've only had for about an hour hour and a half (laughs) that wasn't up in frankenwood was it by any chance no no this was uh in um economawak wisconsin oh okay (laughs) i've been there have you really i I think i've driven through it i think i've driven through it yeah do you know the place i'm talking about 
by chance? No, I don't. It was, you know, it was, this was a few years ago. I built a nuclear plant in three rivers just north of there. And uh, stayed at a hotel there. But it was a single-story hotel. Well, that wraps it up for uh, the... Um, X-Files portion of today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. And I, I, we have about two and a half minutes left. And I did want to say something because the time just flew by today. And we got way off track from what I had uh, charted out. And that's absolutely fine. I think this was uh, one of the best discussions we've had in quite a while. And I think we owe a lot to uh, Wes for that. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, Wes. Oh, tell my wife that because she thinks I get strident. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what was it? What was it? Harry Truman said, uh, "Behind every successful man was um, a woman." Yeah, a, a good wife and a surprised mother-in-law. That's right. Yeah, that, and that was true for Truman. Because his, his mother-in-law had little regard for him. That is true. <laughs> well, I, I I think one of the things, and and um, Wes and I met briefly yesterday, and and as often happens, we got into a conversation and um, started talking about some of the things we were talking about today, and I, the thing that makes this show something um, that that I've been very proud of is because of people like you, Paul Rosicki, Henry Hatter, the the regulars who come week after week and, and join us for these conversations, and to all the people who sit in. Next week it's uh, Mark Everson will be with us. Uh, Wes Whitaker today um, bringing an additional perspective to the roundtable. But with all the people that we have, they're all reasonable and and well-read individuals who um, are, are willing to talk in a civilized way and share differences of opinions and, you know, give people some information they can use in forming their own. One, one of the things, can I say something here, Tom? Yeah, one please. One of the things that I really respect about Paul is that I can walk in down the sidewalk in Clinton, run into him and his wife, and it's like running into an old friend. Yeah, and you sit there and hey, what's how happened? you doing? What's going on? And people go, well, yeah, but you're on the opposite sides of the spectrum, huh? Yeah, yeah. I respect his view. Thank you, Wes. Ditto. Well, and that's, around, really. and that's as Thank it you, should be, and I'm glad you said that. And the same is true about. Uh, Henry, for people on the other side of the aisle, and I hear it all the time. Henry Hatter, thank you so much. Paul Rosicki, thank you as well. And Wes, it was great to have you along today. Thanks so much. And that's Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's smoking George Winters tickling the ivory, sending me down the hall to the living room. But I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.